Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Social Pros, the podcast for real people doing real work in social media. I am, as always, Jay Bear from Convince and Convert, joined by my special Texas friend, the executive strategist from Salesforce Marketing Cloud, Mr. Adam Brown. It's great to have a show, Jay, where we have statesmen, statespeople like uh, Mike Stelsner on the show. I mean, anybody who's in social media knows Social Media Examiner. They know or have attended Social Media Marketing World. Uh, the man has been doing this and has been a pioneer and leader in our industry since 2009. It was great to hear his insights uh, and very timely insights. Uh, I mean, literally uh, what's happened here in 2018 in our space and how he's, uh, he's looking at it uh, maybe a little bit differently. Yeah, what I love about Mike is despite the fact that that he has a role as one of the sort of main tentpole content creators in the social media space, he's no cheerleader, right? This is an episode um, that's going to put a little wet blanket on on some people's thoughts and plans for what they're doing in social. Uh, we pull no punches and uh, give no quarter on this episode of Social Pros. You know, the, the tagline for this show has always been uh, the show for real people doing real work in social media. And this episode, that is as true as it's ever been. Yep. Tune in for an unbelievable social pros in the next 50 minutes or so. You'll love it. This is Jay Bear from Convince and Convert. Welcome to season six of Social Pros. If you want to learn how big companies succeed with social media, you found the perfect podcast. The show is brought to you by Salesforce Marketing Cloud, inspiring one-to-one -one connections with your customers through social, mobile, email, web, and advertising. The show is also brought to you by Yext, whose award-winning location management platform helps companies of all sizes drive more foot traffic to their doors and get more customer reviews. And by Convince and Convert, social media strategy advisors and counselors to the world's most interesting brands. Convince and Convert makes your social better. My co-host for the show is Adam Brown. Find all links, archives, and more at socialpros.com. Are you ready? Let's get to work. Hey, friends, it's Jay Bear, and welcome to the Social Pros Podcast. I want to just take a moment to acknowledge this week's sponsors, our good friends at Salesforce Marketing Cloud. They have a fantastic ebook that I'd love for you to download. It's called The Complete Guide to Social Media for B2B Marketers. All kinds of useful info for folks trying to do social in B2B. Take a look. It's really, really good. Grab it at bit.ly slash social B2B guide. That's bit.ly slash social B, the number two B, guide. That's all one word and all lower case. Also, this week, the show is brought to you by our pals at ICUC. Look, we, we all feel like we need a more data-driven approach to developing social strategy. We talk about it here on the show all the time. But even if you've got some data to build your strategy upon, you probably need a little more to feel more confident and more informed. So ICUC can help you make data-driven decisions to apply to your 2019 marketing strategy and beyond. They can help you develop really interesting reports using social media strategic insights that give you deep understanding of your audience, your market, your competitors to empower you and your brand to develop a better marketing strategy to target, reach, and engage and retain your customers. Go to icuc.social slash plan 2019. That's icuc.social slash plan 2019. Really interesting offering from our friends at ICUC. Without further ado, let's get on to this week's Social Pros Podcast.
Here we are once again on Social Pros with one of our very, very few repeat guests on this show. This is, we believe, his third time. We'll have to check the official database to confirm that, but it's at least three. The one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, Michael Stelzner from Social Media Examiner and Social Media Marketing World. Welcome back to the show. Thank you, Jay. It's a great pleasure to be here. We are delighted to have you back here. You, I, there's so many things we can talk about with you, which is what's so fun to have you here. But I just yesterday, just yesterday, you wrote on Facebook like a big black post. And it said, it's a difficult time to be a marketer because the things that used to work don't work anymore. I may be hmm. paraphrasing slightly. Yeah. But what did you mean by that? Because I felt like a little sad. Well, I actually said, I'm not going to lie. It's hard time to be a marketer because the things that used to work don't work anymore. But you're going to lie on the show, just not on Facebook. Yeah. Or I said, I'm not going to lie is what I said. Okay. <laughs> Let's be honest. Uh, I'm speaking from the context of social media marketing. 2018 has probably been the hardest year in the history of social media for social media marketing. And one of the obvious things is the Facebook apocalypse that happened back in February where Facebook pretty much said, uh, we don't care about your posts. We care about human interaction and essentially said everyone exit left who is a publisher or who has any content to share and content died a slow and miserable death. There's that. And then, of course, there is the uh, exit of perhaps the biggest acquisitions that they've made in the history of the company. Um, the WhatsApp founder, the Instagram founders, and also the Oculus Rift, all within a very short period of time. Makes you wonder, doesn't it? It mm. makes you wonder, doesn't it? And then, of course, you add in there all the public sentiment against Facebook. Google Plus shut down this year. Of course, we knew that was dead a long time ago, but it's it, Facebook advertising is getting more expensive. It's far more competitive. Email deliverability is not what it used to be because of uh, algorithms that are designed to stop those messages from coming through. So the reality is that us who are marketers have been around for a while, and I've been doing this since 1996, so I'm one of the gray hairs. This is a very, very opportunistic time, but also a very, very challenging time because the things that used to work do not work anymore. And the things that even even used to work like a few months ago don't work as well anymore. And of course, that's what I was saying, you know, is that it's frustrating to be a marketer right now because everything that we knew is no longer true. Let, let's talk about that specifically. One of the things that you announced recently as well was that you were moving your series of video programs uh, that you produce at a social media examiner from Facebook to mm -hmm. YouTube. And there's been much... Uh, kerfuffling about that in the industry. People are shocked because you've always been so successful and effective at Facebook. And so for you to say, we're pulling up stakes and packing up the tent and uh, and going to Wally World and, and going to run this sucker on YouTube, I think threw people for a loop a little bit. So let's talk, uh, if you will, about why you made that decision and what you hope to gain on YouTube that you no longer had on Facebook. Let me clarify what we did. We canceled outright two shows, which were 40-minute uh, shows that we were doing every week for a long time. One of them was a, um, a tool show, and the other one was a Ask Me Anything kind of thing where we'd bring on an expert. And the third show that we decided to uh, remove off of Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Pinterest, and exclusively put on YouTube. What it really comes down to is I had just gotten back from a conference that was all focused on video. And what had been grinded into my head is that what matters most is retention, especially if you're doing an episodic show like we are called The Journey. We want people to get through the content in order to be able to get to know the characters and understand what's going on. And the reality is that there's only two platforms on the planet that provide retention metrics, Facebook and YouTube. 
LinkedIn doesn't provide you any metrics other than views. Twitter provides you that I'm aware of no other metrics and Pinterest doesn't provide you any metrics at all. So Facebook has decided, you know, to basically show our videos as we're going through the stream. And I, I use the analogy that being on Facebook is like driving down a highway and watching a show <laughs> that's on a billboard as you're going by. Because when was the last time anyone who's listening right now spent more than five minutes watching any show of any kind on Facebook? It's not how people use Facebook. And the reality is if you look at any retention graph of any video, and that includes after a live video turns into a regular video, you will see a cliff that is steeper than El Capitan. It goes literally to zero in almost the first couple of seconds. And then they're gone. So what we're doing, Jay and Adam, is we're putting our faith in false metrics. We're saying that we're doing this because of the views. We're doing this because people are there. And I'm here to say, no, the metric that matters is whether people actually watch, not the drive-by experience. We're not in this just to create branding. If that was the case, we would put a graphic up there. That's why I did it. Are you using this, mic as an opportunity as you move these shows from Facebook to, um, to YouTube to retool the actual creative content itself? Are you making any adjustments to the content because of all these things that we're talking about in the transitions? Yes. So this is a wonderful idea, wonderful concept I want to explore. So many people believe that, well, if it was engaging, people would watch it, right? So I just want to address this for a second. So this exact same content that I published on YouTube and Facebook... On YouTube, I have like 60% of the people getting through the entire content. On Facebook, I have literally 1% to 3% of the people that click to play. And of that, at best case, 22% gets to the one-minute mark. So on 5,000 people watching a video, 30 will get to the one-minute mark. So I'm not retooling the content because YouTube, the same people are watching on YouTube. But what I am doing is, now that we've canceled all these shows, Adam, is we are zooming in on a new kind of content. So there is a place for video on YouTube and it's short video. It's 120 seconds or less. So what we did end up doing was we just after we made this announcement last week, the day afterwards, we created a 60 second trailer for our show. And that retention graph was crazy good, but nobody was clicking over to YouTube. Then what we did was we created a 60 second tool tip show. And that retention graph was off the charts and we're getting like 17,000 views on that thing. So what we're doing is we're coming up with very short, very snackable square content because that's what we know people consume on Facebook. So this sounds like it's the opposite of at least from doing this from the, from the late 90s. You know, I've always talked about the fish where the fish are. We look where our audience is and we're going to put the content there. But it sounds like in this case, for the video content that you're talking about, it's not fish where the fish are because, yes, they may be there. They may be on Facebook, but they are not predisposed to watch this type of content. Ergo, I'm going to put the content on YouTube, but then what do you do on, on Facebook? Do you decide I dug a canal and I told the fish to go down the canal. I mean, yeah. literally, okay? <laughs> so what I ended up doing, just so you guys understand, first of all, I created the video. I'm very strategic. Jay knows this about me. There's always more than meets the eye with me. So what I did was I made the announcement. I made, you know, and people went nuts over it. And then what I did is I did a uh, half an hour discussion on my talk show. And then, of course, I did a podcast on it. And, and then I emailed 500,000 people. And then I ended up, you know, we have a half a million fans on Facebook. So I just use every own media channel that we have, including our blog, to let everyone know this decision that I was making and embedded in that valuable content was, and by the way, if you want to watch this, go over here and watch it, okay? Mm -hmm. So only about a thousand people so far have 
filtered over. But I'm training them how to use this new platform because they don't use YouTube. I'm telling them to not just subscribe, but click on the bell so that they'll get notifications because we mm-hmm. know they don't live on it. You know, so I'm teaching the fish to route in a different way because I don't want, like I have three, 533,000 people. I just want a thousand of them to watch this video to the end. If I can get a thousand of them to watch this video on the end, regardless of the platform, then I will be happy. But I know that the best platform for watching video is not Facebook. That's why I'm routing them over to YouTube. You have, as you mentioned, a very large tribe, um, certainly from uh, SME and also from the conference. How important is it for those people to be creating content that benefits you? Like how, how important is, is user-generated content or UGC to the present or future success of your operation? Because, because that's, the, that's the argument, right? That, that if Facebook and, and to some degree Twitter, and frankly, I think eventually LinkedIn uh, say, look, we're going to under-prioritize brand content uh, in the algorithm, we're going to over-prioritize content from real people, then if you can turn those real people into advocates, uh, then, then maybe you got something. Well, if you asked me a year ago, I would say this is very important, but today I would say it's not because we're fighting against algorithms, Jay. So the old me would say, enable people to share your content because that's the key to everything, right? So that's where the social share is embedded in our blog, which gets over a million people a month. And all that stuff was very, very important. But the, but the reality is that that content is being prohibited from being seen by the communities on the social networks across every single social network. So it does become problematic to um, have a strategy that has that, that, that hinges very heavily on your tribe creating content for you if that content is restricted from being seen by their tribes. Do you understand what I'm saying? Absolutely. So, so, so it's no longer... Yeah, the shared doesn't equal a view. Is what yeah, exactly. And, and it doesn't even equal anything depending on where, who's talking about it. So instead, what we're trying to do is we're trying to get our tribe to start thinking about bigger issues and not necessarily talking about us, but we're the spawn of the idea. So yeah. what, have, what I've done this week is I've gotten my tribe to think twice about whether they want to do any long form video content on Facebook. I don't care if they don't mention my name at all, but I know that if they end up changing, I will be the one that they will credit it to. And that will have an, an untrackable network effect, you know, which is one to one private messaging, small communications in groups. Look what Stelzner's doing. Look what social media examiner is doing. I'm going to pay attention to these guys. So I look at it a little differently than most do. Because of that, the nature of, of, of social shares um, not necessarily then getting downstream attention in the way that they used to. Have you seen uh, on your very popular blog fewer visits from social like are your social referrals down uh on Absolutely. the site yeah mine, mine are too and 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 we've been trying to crack that code as well and I don't, I don't know that it's crackable it's not unless you're willing to spend a lot of money and when and it, you and it's hard to do that right because to yeah. one end it's actually easier for me to do it than maybe for you because at least we have a consulting back end that we can theoretically monetize it with you've got ticket sales from the conference and obviously you're selling ads on your site the same way we're selling ads on our site but to, to be paying to be buying ads in social media to get somebody to your site that you then monetize worth ads, that actually doesn't pencil out. Like that's- We stopped posting links to our site almost a year ago on Facebook. We'll put one out there every once in a while if we know it's a winner, but we know it won't go very far. Um, Instead, we're in the business of creating content on the platforms where our tribes are. 
and knowing full well that that content will not necessarily uh, result in traffic to our website, but will and it will at least allow us to be top of mind in conversations in the minds of others. That being the case, then, uh, you know, you obviously still put a lot of time and effort into your blog. It's an amazing resource. Have you changed the content strategy there, right? Are you, are you yes. saying, hey, we have to write about different things or in different ways? Well, first of all, we are constantly, um, we're constantly, we're very research-based, as you know. So we always write about whatever the hottest, latest, greatest thing is when it comes to our industry. But we track everything across every conceivable medium you can imagine. Like I'll get a podcast guest on a new thing like bots and we'll see whether or not it resonates with the audience. And then we might do some more articles with bots and then this with bots and that with bots. But, you know, the reality is that search is still the big source of traffic to our website. Email is still a rather large source. I just killed 150,000 emails off my list literally this week in order to increase deliverability. And we took it because they weren't, just because they weren't opening. They were not opening. Yeah. So I killed them yeah. in 150,000. So now we're down. Don't tell the Salesforce guy. Yeah. We're down what? to 340,000 from almost 500,000. And we were at 675 last year at this time. But, um, you know, because it sends signals, you know, that everything is signals, but we are getting into bots. So getting into bots, we're going to, once we roll out our brand new website design, which should be in the next 30 days, we're going to integrate instead of email acquisition as this, as the first choice to get on our newsletter, it'll, it's going to start with a bot. So it'll start with a messenger acquisition. And then, yeah. and then the moment that happens, we will collect the email address. And the hope is to actually allow people highly customized deliverability of content through messenger based on their interests. We actually do that for social pros for this show. Like if you yeah, go does to it work for you? Today, you know, it's interesting. I think it's like anything else that's still relatively new. The people who want content in that format love it. Right. But that's, a, that's at this point, still a minority of people. Like if you go to socialpros.com, you'll get, you know, a, a modal that says, do you want to be notified when new episodes launch via Messenger, et cetera, et cetera. And, and we may be able to do it a little bit better than we are. But, but it, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we have you know, thousands of people subscribed. So um, we get about 800, we get at best case, 800 new email subscribers every day. So we know people want what we have to offer, but we think we could get a lot more if we offered it uh, through Messenger. And yeah, because it's a subscription. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be an email subscription. It's just, it's just some I sort of- I want to be notified when there's articles on Facebook ads, for example. Yeah, so make it knock on your front door and say, hey, there's a new article. We don't care. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and what's good about that is it's very within Facebook's terms of service because it's not marketing at all. It's, it's pure editorial content. So that's our current strategy, uh, the next level strategy. And we'll see if it works. You know, if it doesn't, we won't do it any longer. But, but that's my attempt. I, I believe strongly that as a delivery vehicle, Messenger is going to be the next potential replacement for email because the reality is deliverability rates are high. You know, you've had guests on your show talk about that. I agree with, with, I think, where Messenger is, is going and, and the power of it. Um, and I think I know the answer to this question, but I'm going to go ahead, Mike, and, and ask it to you. How do we ensure that we don't do the same thing with Messenger and make the same mistakes that we've made with email and also other push notifications that we over-push, over-notify, a la right. uh, kind of push-spam, the same types of things? I think you know, you've answered it in a way by getting very prescriptive, very focused. Jay, you talked about it too, about, again, not sending everything out to these people, but very precise things that are of interest to them and them alone. Mike, is that, is that the way to go? Are there any other kind of pitfalls that we need to be careful of uh, as we as we go through this evolution with with new push and, and chatbot and messenger, 
Well, on the, on my social media marketing podcast, I've probably done eight different interviews with different people on bots. So this is mostly just what I've I've gathered from these interviews with them. The notifications through Messenger can come in many different ways. They can come with the sound, like a text message. They can come without a sound. They can also come as just a little number notification in the Messenger app. And they can just come without even a number notification, but just like an inbox kind of a situation. So I think it's a question of it's a question of being careful about sending the message in a way that doesn't anger, you know, people, because it is a very personable thing. But in the end, you know, you got to provide value. And everybody right now out there who's talking about bots is talking about using them for sales and marketing. And I've actually restricted my sales and marketing team from using it. It's purely going to be editorial. So my hope is that if it's truly utilitarian and valuable, then maybe people will use it. But we're going to build the structure in such a way that we could eventually layer marketing level stuff on top of it down the road. I mean, that's the way I, at least I look at it personally. And I, I know that's the marketer's fallacy for me to assume that people are just like me. But if I've got 10 minutes uh, or so to, to focus on this type of content, show me one place where I can go and kind of pick and choose from that curated, tailored type of, of, of content. One, one question kind of around, around this, Mike, and I want to hand it back to, uh, to Jay. I think you sit in such an interesting position with social media examiner and social media marketing world of, of seeing all these new ideas. And in a way, your conferences, your blog are ground zero for a lot of new ideas in and around how social media practitioners are doing their craft. What does that incubation look like when you see a new idea coming up? Is it coming up from an individual? Do people watch one brand and go, oh my gosh, I need to do that. Dunk in the dark with Oreo cookie. Yeah, I need to kind of do that. And they go off and, and do those types of things. Where, where do ideas kind of come from? And from where you sit, where do they evolve? We only cover really the major social platforms, you know, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, dot, dot, dot. So the way we discover stuff that's new is the social platforms pretty much tell us or disclose it or there's news releases. And then our news team kicks in and they try to get their their mind around what it means. We bring on external experts like Jay and others of the world to, to commentate on what they believe this could mean. We let them essentially tell us what it means in the same way if you were to watch CNN or Fox News, you know what I mean? Sure. So we let them tell us what's important. And then what we do is we see how our tribe reacts to it. And then, of course, there's a certain sense from my perspective, I can tell when something big is coming down the pipeline. And at that point, I would commission my editorial team to get, an, get a writer on this and write an article. Or I might decide to get a guest on my podcast to talk about it. So those are all the ways that we do it. And we just, the more we start talking about it, the more we work it out and we try to figure where it is in the hype cycle, you know, like artificial intelligence right now and um, augmented reality are very much on the hype cycle and have really no easy relevance today to marketers. But, you know, there are far other things like bots, which are really here and ready to roll. And that's when we try to focus on the stuff that is practical applications for today. Yeah. Things that, things that, that are in the field today, as opposed to what's, what's going to happen uh, down there. I think it's one of the differences in, in terms of what you guys read about, which is versus what we read about. We try and take a, a little, a little farther look out right. because it's sort of the corporate audience that we appeal to. Yeah, and you're working on strategy, right? And we're really, yeah, we're, yeah, we're not, we don't, we don't do tactics. Like we just don't, it's not right. a thing. Um, you're too good at it. There's no point in me doing it. You've been doing this a really long time now. When did you start uh, SME? 2009. 2009. Wow. So yeah, almost 10 years. Congratulations. We just had our nine-year anniversary. Thank yeah, you. Congratulations. What would you, if you had to start today, 
right? So many things have changed. Like when you started is, is not long after I started and it was like, you know, have a blog is the thing to do. And we did, and then have a podcast and we did and have a video show. And we did, if you had to start today, you were like, all right, I I don't, none of this exists. What would you do? You're like, okay, I'm going to go start a media company Uh that chronicles social media. What would, what would you actually make? I would, first of all, ask myself, what is my strength? Am I more of someone who can talk someone who's good on video or someone who's a writer, but I would still go back to the core of content. I would probably fall back to doing video interviews. And this is where I started, Jay, in the beginning. I brought a camera crew with me and Blog World, and I just started interviewing people. And I met you at that marketing process event where you were in a a lab coat. It's amazing how people remember the lab coat. That's like a signature. (laughs) That was 2009, by the way. Yeah, I know. I know, had. I actually had uh, had the swine flu, as it turns out, during that event. I didn't know at the time, but. Nice of you to tell me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Oh, you didn't know. That's all good. So I turned out okay. But yeah, um, so today I I I would still do a podcast, believe it or not, because even though the medium is growing very, very slowly, it's the one place where I can capture the listening audience the longest. And it's the one yeah. thing that- You talk about one minute videos on Facebook, right? Yeah. And here we are doing a 45 minute conversation. Exactly. Because people are listening to us while they're uh, mowing their lawn, while they're on a boat, on a horse. I mean, whatever. You know what I mean? They can't- on a horse. If you're on a horse right now listening to this conversation, I would love for you to email me, jay at jaybear.com. I'm just going to do a quick poll, a quick poll here because Mike feels like there's a lot of social- horse, I guarantee you. Or, okay. <laughs> I want to see a selfie. Somebody, I had a Canadian right bounty on a horse. I had a Canadian Mountie do a selfie with a, on a horse. I had someone at right. the top of a cruise ship. I mean, it's crazy. You just never know. And one of those scooters, I'm sure you guys have in San Diego now. They just, they just oh, all the motorized scooters now. Yeah, yeah, we got them. My town. I'm sure you guys have in Austin too. And it's like, it's a little crazy. So that's what I would do. I would do, I would do some sort of interview. I would tap the knowledge of others, which is what I've always done. And I feel like it's highly scalable. It's a win, win, win for everyone. What's funny about that though, is it, you're, you're, you're always a person who says, well, let me bring in the external expert. Let me interview somebody else. Let me create a conference where other people get to talk. But now you're the expert, right? You're always listed as one of the top influencers in social media. And you've built this this incredibly successful organization. And I know that's not why you started out doing this. You've never been one to sort of say, hey, look at me and it's all about me and I'm the one in the limelight. But now you are, whether you like it or not. How does that change the way you think about social media and and what your sort of role or responsibility is in this community? Because now you're not the guy behind the scenes. You are the guy. Yeah, I mean, I kind of had to do it, unfortunately, because I, I know that people do business with people they know, like, and trust. And I'm a strong advocate for for brands allowing someone at the executive level to come out from behind, you know, the office curtain and get to know the audience. I'm still deferring to experts. Like, I have my opinions, which I occasionally voice. But the reality is that I'm not a consultant. I don't do this for a living as far as, you know, other than marketing my own conference. So people can look at me as an expert and I appreciate that. But the reality is I'm just a guy trying to help this industry figure it out. And I think that's what resonates with people is that I'm not trying to be something more than what I really am. Whether whether you like it or not, you are an expert on this. And I think you have this keen ability to kind of look beyond just the the first horizon and the, and the first mountaintop to see kind of what's coming. And in a way, you almost have to do that. I, I can imagine that planning social media marketing world is a lot like painting the Golden Gate Bridge. Once you get done on one end and yeah. you close one, you're, you, you got to start planning the other, which means... You know, in internet years, you've got to start thinking about who we're going to have keynote next year, not even knowing where the planet platforms or channels are going, just like you opened up this show 
with what happened with Facebook and what's happening over there with Instagram and the, and the Oculus and the, and the WhatsApp uh, leaders. We would never have predicted that even a month and a half ago. How do you keep your finger on the pulse? You're surrounded by some of the smartest people. You're surrounded by bringing in these experts and, and journalists and, and, and creative people. But what do you read? What do you use every morning to keep you up to speed other than, of course, Social Media Examiner? Well, I, uh, I'm a big fan of uh, the Google app on my iOS because it knows what I search for and it shows me news that I think is relevant. I also love the Apple News app, which if anybody has updated their, their, their Macs, it's now built into the computer and it pops up news alerts, which is kind of cool. There's just too, too much going on. So I do heavily rely on, I listen to podcasts, 20 of them a week, including yeah. your guys' podcast. So I'll pick up little patterns that I hear across all these little things. Like I picked up plenty from the interviews that you guys have done with plenty of your guests in the past. And they just kind of sit somewhere in the recesses of my mind. And when I know what the challenges of our industry is because we have a professional organization and we have a private group called the Social Media Marketing Society and people talk about their challenges. And so I kind of have a sense of what marketers are struggling with. And then when I see kind of um, stuff come up or people talk about things, I get them on my show and I talk it out. It's just kind of a crazy, I don't even know how to describe it thing, but it's kind of how my brain is wired. I just kind of always am looking far enough into the future, but not too far. I'm never looking more than about maybe six months out, believe it or not. And I don't even make decisions on keynotes. Well, I mean, given, given what you cover, I mean, it's, it's yeah. tricky. Jay knows this. I don't even make keynote decisions until 60 days out, you know, and typically I recruit for that, for that purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it's just too crazy. I mean, I didn't even know what I was going to be keynoting on until February 20. 20- 11th when Mark Zuckerberg changed it all. <laughs> right. Yeah. Got to, got to rewrite it yeah. because you've got access to, to all these practitioners who are in the private group, um, who are leaving comments on the blog, who are interacting with you in social, though perhaps less so now than in the past. Is it ever frustrating for you where you're looking at conversations uh, of people in your tribe and you're like, this, this is just wrong. Like this, this person is saying something that is factually incorrect or, or potentially leading other members of the group sort of down an alley. It drives, that, me, it drives me nuts. So what do you do? I mean, do you have a responsibility to say, Hey, well, you're wrong or, or, you know, you're not, you're not, they don't tend to say things that are wrong when you know. they're, when, when they're on my show or they're teaching in front of my tribe, that's not usually where I see it happening. I see it happening when they make ex, you know, proclamations on social in the same way. Everything is dead. You see that about every yeah, or just like people, Let's be honest. If you have, if you have your, 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 all your eggs in the Facebook basket, you're not going to like what I said last week about me abandoning Facebook video and that long form Facebook video is essentially sure. dead. I've been getting a lot of heat from that from people who have a vested interest in Facebook. And I try to take the guys who wrote books about Google Plus feel. Yeah, exactly. And I tried to tell them, look, you know what? I'm very analytical. And I would challenge you to look at the data. And this is a decision that I made for myself, not for you, but in, and it's not for everyone, but, but it do, I do create a little ripple sometimes when I make these statements, but I'm, I've got access to a lot of information that most people don't. And I've got access to people that have access to people inside of all these social platforms. And they tell me things off the record that I cannot comment on publicly. So I know things. And the reality is that most people don't look at data. They look at the wrong metrics and they make proclamations without a lot of insights at all. And oftentimes they turn out to be pretty dead wrong. And when I'm wrong, I change because I was all in on Facebook video. You know this, Jay. Oh, you were all in. 
and now I'm not. So, you know, my belief is when the facts change, we got to change. And I think that's the correct and responsible thing to do. And Mike, is that one mistake that we continue to kind of make as social media practitioners that we don't use the data? That the data is all there on what's working and what's not and, and how we remarket. And I kind of find us falling into the same type of trap every maybe year and a half to two years. How do we prevent that? And I'm curious, yeah. when you talk to your members, what struggles are they having? How do, are there struggles that they don't have access to the data or they can't understand the data or they're just not wired to kind of see how all this comes together? Well, and I've got a decent sized marketing team and it even happens inside of my company. The reality is that you have marketers who are creative people and then you have marketers that are analytical people. Right brain, and left brain. People yep. are the ones that are out there creating all this content. And from their perspective, it seems to be working because it's got a lot of thumbs up or likes or shares or comments. But what they don't really understand is the deeper why behind it or whether or not it's actually serving a purpose for the business. So that's where the analytical side of the house, you know, which is me in this case, has to come in and say, whoa, let's step back for a second. Maybe we ought to stop doing this, this, and this so that we can reallocate resources to doing new things that we've never done before. So I think that's the challenge is that it depends on the mindset of the person who's managing social media. Is the solution getting those right brain and the left brain folks to kind of work together? Last week, we had uh, Robert Glazer, CEO of Acceleration Partners, uh, on the show talking about affiliate marketing. And one of the things I love about affiliate marketing is that you immediately know whether it's working or not. I mean, it's not based upon likes or engages or how many seconds. It's based on how many people clicked and bought something. How do we wrestle with with measurement in in 2018 where we can't even trust the data that we're getting from from some of the channels? uh, This is the biggest challenge. I've been measuring this since 2009. You know, I've come out, I feel like it's nine or 10 years in a row with my social media marketing industry report. And measuring and proving it works has been the number one challenge marketers have faced and they still have not resolved it. And I'm here to say, look, engagement matters, okay? I am not gonna stand here and say that having meaningful conversations with people on social is not useful. But I'm also gonna say it does not scale either, right? So you so you have to be careful, right? Like Zuckerberg told us flat out, that's what matters most on Facebook. So if you are having meaningful conversations with people, then that's smart and that's wise. But the reality is that most marketers are not having any conversations with anyone anymore on social. They're broadcasting. Yeah. And the social networks have been telling us over and over again, stop broadcasting, start, start interacting. Problem is interaction doesn't scale. So it's, it's, I don't know, Jay, what do you think about this? I agree. I feel like at some level, everybody knows what actually works. Right. But they still don't do it. <laughs> because what actually works it's takes hard. a whole bunch of time and money exactly. and effort and bodies and people. I mean, look look back when we all started, right? Twitter was a different place. Twitter was all about engagement and now right. it's not, right? And I'm as guilty of it as anybody, if not more so. You know, I'm not in there answering questions and mixing up with people on Twitter, not nearly like we used to. And some of it's some of it's just time, but you know, it just it just is. And so I think you're uh, you're exactly right. I also feel like uh, that's why, in some cases, smaller businesses have an advantage over bigger brands now, because yeah. it's easier for them to engage at the scale that they need to engage in. Right? They, you know, you, you look at brands that we have on this show a lot. You know, big companies, and you know, they'll get they'll get a hundred thousand social mentions in a month. Man, it is tough to interact uh, at that scale, right? But if you're a brand that's getting five hundred in a month, well, yeah, okay, maybe you can make that happen. Um, and, and so I'm not sure what the answer is. I know what I think 
big brands will 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 try um, using technology from people like Salesforce and Oracle and Adobe and IBM. They're going to try to do engagement at scale with AI, with, with machine learning, right? With bots, right? You're going to have your you're going to have your Twitter bot, um, which is not going to necessarily be used for Russian election. Oh, you know, that gets challenging now because yeah. California passed a law that said you have I to. Know. It's a bot. So guess yeah. what? Everyone in America will have to disclose it's a bot and that's just yep. going to make marketers. Hashtag bot, baby. <laughs> so I, I, look, I, small is the new big is what I've been preaching. I think we yes. need to get back to the basics. You know what I mean? And I think it comes down to human to human. It's not going to be easy, but that's okay because this is what got us here. You know what I mean? One person at a time. Yeah. Until you got to pay all your bills. <laughs> That's the well, challenge. But you know what? Uh, I mean, let's be honest. I would rather have 1,000 fanatical fans that's what we than all half say. a million who don't read any of my stuff. And that's kinda, true. That's kind of where I'm at. You know that's what I mean? And, and, and reality is you can change the world and accomplish amazing business results if you get back to That's basic. why we never change this show. You know, at least we haven't so far, right? It's like this, this show is, is a popular show by any, by any measure, but, but is not a giant show because it's so focused, right? It's, right? it's focused on a particular type of listener, a particular type of topic. And I think that's, I think that's good for the show and good, good for the listeners. That's right. Don't get too caught up in the numbers because they're deceiving. Yeah, it is. If we can agree that uh, this, 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 this challenge of us broadcasting in social media rather than narrowcasting or one-on-one genuine engagements is the biggest mistake that almost all of us uh, are making in the social media space, what's the second biggest mistake that we are all making here? As we're, as we're where you sit talking to hundreds, if not thousands of the smartest social media Let's practitioners. Let's keep doing this the whole show. What's the 17th? Yeah. The second biggest mistake is that people are not coming up with a stopping list, Adam. And I'm telling you right now, everyone who's listening right now needs to get out a pen and paper and come up with a stopping list because if you don't stop doing certain things, you will never be able to do all the amazing things you hear on Jay and Adam's show. Yeah, you just end up being mediocre at everything. Yeah, exactly. So That's what I really admire about you. You, you are... I don't want to say singularly, but more than anybody I know, you are unafraid to to kill your own good ideas. Uh, and I've really taken a lot of inspiration um, from that in my career. That's one of the things that I really, really watch you do. And, and I think it's such a good, a good habit to get into. It's like, don't fall in love with your ideas, fall in love with the results. And if the idea no longer produces the results, well, then you owe it to yourself and to your own team and to your own family to be like, this doesn't work anymore. So let's stop doing it. Because otherwise, you're just wasting time and you only have so much of it. And just imagine all those amazing ideas that will never be born because you do not give them the opportunity. You do not give them the, the, the room to grow because you are so convinced you have to continue doing because that's what you've always done. What's the hardest one that you killed? My Kids Adventures? That was a tough one. Probably one of the biggest ones because that was a very, very, very big adventure. But man, I kill stuff every year, Jay. You know, I killed all of our summits. Do you remember we used to have the Social Media Success Summit? I mean, gosh, I look back at all the things that I've stopped. And then I look at all the things I'm doing now that I could just never do if I didn't stop those things. So so I, I see, you know, I see all those prior things as like uh, stepping stones to where I am right now. I'm just curious, how do you measure against that? Do you say, is it, is it just in, instinctive or intuitive or do, or do you actually track time against it or say we can do this many big initiatives and this many small initiatives, right? When you're saying come up with a kill list, is it actually 
all right, there's 10 things in this box and, and you can't go to 11. Like, how do you actually put? Well, actually the way I, the way I do it is I just say to myself, why are we doing this? And if anybody says it's because it's how it's always been done, I, <laughs> then you have your answer. I immediately kill it. Okay. I don't even care. I just get rid of it. And it's more for the birthing of new ideas. It's not like I have an idea that's waiting to be birthed. It's more just giving mind space for the new idea. Yeah. Give it, give it real estate to occur. Sure. Exactly. So, and I don't measure it other than I just know it works. It's been working for me for decades, you know? I already have the headline for this episode. Why less is more in social media story. Mm. I like that. I like that too. There's only, I'm only good at one thing, which is writing headlines and book titles. That's really all. <laughs> everything else you're, is just, you're a little better than just, everything else is just window dressing. Uh, then you ought Speaking to kill of which, it. when are you, you writing a new book? <laughs> when are you writing a new book? Uh, you know, I've got two under my belt and I've got plenty of book ideas, but right now I've got too many other... you to kill some more projects first, apparently. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I got too many other adventures um, that I'm thinking about starting that are just not... That are more important than a book and I can't quite get to the place to even start those things. So the book is... Next book is nowhere on the horizon. Do you think uh, if we were sitting here in five years uh, doing uh, episode, what would this be, Jay? It would be in the 900s at that point, right? Yeah. No, let's see. Five years would be another 250, 600s. Okay, 600s. Are, are social media practitioners going to still be its own discipline? You know, so much of what we've been doing, if you look at the history and you, I mean, I mean nine years of, of doing this, we've gone from generalists kind of having social media chops to now actually having people who do social media each and every day is the main part of their job. Are we transitioning to that becoming even more of a discipline, even more focused, even more kind of, you know, uh, org charts, little lines off the, uh, the main social media department? Or are we going to go back to all communicators, content creators, marketing communications experts just having a really good social chops? Here's the thing. When I started Social Media Examiner, I honestly thought social media was going to be a three-year deal. And I thought I was just going to, it was going to be an experiment. So clearly I was off. And if I make another prediction, I'm going to be way off. But here's what I will tell you. In five years, there will be a made, two major social platforms that we've never heard of. One of them will probably be owned by Microsoft and the other one will probably be owned by Amazon or some other multi-billion dollar company. We're in a massive disruption right now. This is the prime time, 2018, 2019. Even someone listening to this podcast might be the founder of that thing. Um, but I believe that social will never go away. I think the way it works will change because it has changed so much in the last nine years. I can't, I don't think we can envision what's coming. I honestly don't. But I think that AI and bots will end up and privacy and everything else will, will lead to a new era of social. And there'll be a brand new birthing of um, true communities and interactions that are at levels we just cannot fathom. And I just don't know what that's going to be, but I don't think it'll ever go away because when was the last time humans stopped being social? I don't think they ever did. <laughs> we might call it something else, but that's my take on it. And when you mentioned that Amazon might be one of the, um, the owners of, of this, whatever it happens to be, and that, that's a mind blower, and we could probably go down that tunnel for, right. for another 30 minutes. But is it because you see it being more transactional, that this is that it's going to be no. the, the social interaction, or just because Amazon with AWS and everything else that Amazon is doing, it's less about actually the drone coming and dropping off your, uh, your, 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 your Colgate and your, and your toothpaste? It's actually neither of those, Adam. It's actually because they're the only ones that could probably pull it off because of the funding, because of the funding that would be required. I 
am a strong believer that it's going to take a multi-billion dollar company to come out with the next Facebook, but it will probably happen through an acquisition. Um, but it's just not going to be easy. Um, and therefore, that's why I say I'm sure in a ballroom somewhere or in a private office somewhere, executives at Microsoft and Amazon and maybe Apple are all having these dialogues and trying to say, okay, this, this is our chance. When are we going to launch this thing? I mean, gosh, I listen to Business Wars. I don't know if you guys ever listened to that show. It's fascinating. Yeah, great show. It's a good show. You know, and they talk about how the video game industry was disrupted by Microsoft, right? When they came out with Xbox. So Microsoft has got to be sitting here on the sidelines saying, we're ready. Let's do this. We own LinkedIn. We own Skype. We have all this technology. We're prime and ready to be able to launch something new. So I don't know. My prediction is in the next 18 months, we'll see something big from one of these two players. On a related front, uh, do you feel like in that period of time that Twitter will remain an independent company or do you think they're finally going to get bought? Nobody seems to ever want to buy Twitter, do they? Including Adam's company. (laughs) Had the the chance. So so honestly, you know, I think that someone will probably say we could just recreate this darn thing in the same way Instagram chose when Snapchat said no to go ahead and crush them. So I don't think that their IP is so unique that they couldn't be outdone. So no, I don't think they will be bought. And one quick follow-up to that, specifically on Twitter. I mean, the analogy that everybody uses right now is that Twitter is going to become the 1-800 number, uh, that it's just going to be the ubiquitous place you go for customer service. Hmm. Is there any validity to that? And can Twitter survive at just doing that one thing? Well, they posted positive earnings um, mm-hmm. recently. Lost from, 10 million users, but yeah, positive on the, on the, on yeah, the earnings. On what matters most. So, you know, the question is, I'm not sure. I think it, it depends on the next generation if these young kids who are, you know, 15 to 21 years old, um, don't decide not to use Twitter, then it's going to be something different. They're going to be the generation that's going to determine whether or not Twitter becomes the place where this. I, mean, I used to think that that was true, Adam. I even talked about it in Hug Your Haters, but, but increasingly I feel like live chat slash messenger slash WhatsApp, um, can take over that customer service role and, and may in fact, I mean, I look at companies like Intercom and Podium and folks like that, uh, that I'm, I'm really bullish on that idea. Yeah. So, I mean, the moral of the story is it doesn't, I think we're going to get to a point where nobody is going to care what the medium is as long as they can go to the website, because in the past we would have to go to the social platform to do it. Right. Wouldn't it be awesome if we, the business is on our website, that's where intercom comes in and all these others. Right. So we don't have to rely on the platform. One of the things I like about Agora pulse um, is that it's, you know, you have that sort of integrated social inbox and I can get a lot of stuff in one place as opposed to having to go to all these sites, which is like mind numbing and annoying. Okay, so do you guys actually watch video on any social platform other than YouTube for more than five minutes? Five minutes. Yeah. Five minutes. Okay, you do. Ahead. Where do you watch I, it, Adam? I'm thinking. Well, here's, here's, here's the most interesting thing about me. I am an avid YouTube viewer. I'm probably watching somewhere between an hour and 90 minutes of YouTube video a day, but I am not watching it on my computer. I'm not watching it on my mobile device. I'm watching it on the YouTube app on Apple TV or my Samsung TV, etc. And I don't know whether I am the anomaly or if this is kind of that big screen experience that the YouTube content creators and advertisers and Google uh, love and embrace. You just hit on a trend. The living room is the last frontier. And this is why I've said for a long time, if Apple could figure out a way to come out with the TV, you know, because they've already got these beautiful monitors and they can make social part of that, there could be an amazing experience there, you know? And of course they have the Apple TV device, but they've just never gotten into the business of televisions. I can imagine going into an Apple store and buying my TV that allows me to watch anything 
and do all these crazy things. And, you know, Apple has made a pretty big $17 billion investment, if I'm not mistaken, in original content. So maybe that's where we're going. But I don't think people watch long form video on a little device as much as they prefer to watch it on an iPad, a laptop, or a television. I think so, that's very true for us. Although for, yeah. for younger people, certainly my kids, they'll watch long videos on a phone. Yeah. Well, my kids prefer to choose the iPad or the laptop yeah. over the phone. So yes. if, I guess if, yeah, if, if you had the choice for sure, but, but yeah. my, my, I'm saying it's not like a deal breaker, um, right. like, like it would be for us, but your original question, do we watch a video of longer than five minutes anywhere else? Like I watch a lot of video on Facebook, but you're right. It's not, it's not long form typically. So I guess the answer is probably no. And I think this is a good opportunity for you to well, I should say live, live video would be different, right? I, th- I feel like live, yeah. the longer, longer form video on Facebook, I think that the key is it has to be live. Yeah. So, I mean, the moral of the story here is that there's incredible opportunity with video. We have a lot of investments going on in original content. You've got the, um, you know, Disney app coming out that's going up against Netflix with the original Marvel and Star Wars and all that kind of stuff. So I think, I think we're going to see, this is going to be the great era of high production quality content. The real question is going to be who's the winner and where they're going to watch it. Is it going to be Amazon? Is it going to be something else? I got a feeling that people are going to go for the super high production content over the cheesy little things that we tend to do as social media marketers. And is it going to be channel agnostic? I mean, I don't care where this content is coming in, but uh, show me this show and show it on the best screen, the largest screen or the most intimate screen I have at this particular it's moment. It's going to be channel exclusive, Adam. That's where we're going. You know what I mean? It's not going to be about distributing. It's going to be about like exclusive to Amazon or exclusive to Apple yeah. or exclusive. It already to- is. Yeah. yeah. And actually you talk about this quality issue. That's what Jay Kunzo has been talking about a lot um, on the show and, and elsewhere. This idea that, look, if, if you want to succeed as a content creator, it's no longer about just having a topic. Like it has to be good, like genuinely right. good. Like if you ask Adam, if he has a question, he has to actually have a question. It's that kind of uh, differentiator that, wow. that's going to separate things. I like how you brought that around there, Jay. You like that? Yeah. I'm a professional host. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for letting me ask you guys a question. Well, I will yeah, throw it back and, to you. Yeah, we'll, we should do that every week. We'll just have you come on the show and then ask questions. Hey, you ever need a guest? I'm going to ask our you. Our guest host. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, like a Joan Rivers kind of thing. That's awesome. Sometimes Adam can't make her. I can't make it. That'd be fun. We should do that. Plug you yeah. in. Okay. Be good times. We're going to ask you the question that we've asked everybody, including you on multiple occasions yeah. in the past. Uh, you know how yeah. this goes. And you get to answer different ones or the same, your choice. What one tip would you give today? to somebody looking to become a social pro? I would say that you really want to try to get some sort of a content play going for the company that you're in, because I feel like this is a great differentiator. When we have everyone inside of businesses that knows how to use social platforms, it's those that know how to create content of any form that will be the standout in a busy, busy industry. Yeah, it's interesting. We, we see this so much on the strategy side. I'm sure Adam does too in yeah. his strategy work that, you know, it's, this is going to get a little too granular, but two or three years ago, we had a distinctly different client deliverable for a social media strategy versus a content marketing strategy. Like it was a different format. Like what we included was different. How we thought about it was different. And now when we're doing strategy plans, a company may hire us ostensibly for a social strategy or a content strategy. But what we deliver is generally almost exactly the same regardless because it's a difference without a distinction now in large measure. I would agree. Glad we're on the same page. Absolutely. Last question for the one, the only, Mr. Michael Stelzner, proprietor, founder of Social Media Examiner and the head of the BAFO Social Media Marketing World Conference. What are the dates this year, 
I should know this, but March 20th, 21st and 22nd in San Diego. Always in San Diego, an absolute must attend. Ladies and gentlemen, you need to be there. I will be there. Adam Brown will probably be there. Mike will be there, obviously. Obviously. I hope so. (laughs) If you could do a video call with any living person, probably not on Facebook now, uh, but if you could do a video call with any living person, who would it be and why? I honestly have really been struggling with this one and it didn't come to me until we started the show today. And I'm going to have to say Mark Zuckerberg. The reason I'm going to have to say Mark is despite all the bad press that Facebook is getting, I still respect what he has built. And I hope, and I hope that nobody kicks him off the board of Facebook because what that guy has built is one of the most amazing things in the history of the world. So I would love to just get a chance to talk to him and unravel how his brain works and how he thinks about things because I do think he is one of the leading entrepreneurs of our generation, right up there with people like Bill Gates and and Steve Jobs. Completely agree. And I think when the smoke all clears, maybe even more so. Um, yeah, you know, I think so. Fast forward down the road a little bit, his impact may outstrip the impact of of, uh, of Jobs or Gates eventually. And I also would be interested to ask, like, okay, we understand that you're ostensibly making these moves to benefit customers, but it really hurts businesses. And and you know, obviously, they go into that eyes wide open. Uh, and I just always find that to be an interesting decision, especially as a public company. Absolutely, Adam. Anything else? What a great show. Uh, Michael, thank you for, uh, for your insights. Uh, I agree. We haven't heard from uh, Mr. Zuckerberg in terms of the last question, probably for a year or two. And I think right now is a very interesting time that I would like to hear uh, his answers and how he's approaching and how he's approaching and looking at Facebook very much differently, I think, than, than maybe 12 months ago. Or maybe it's the same exact strategy that he's had all along. But I think him answering that one question would be very informative. Let's get him as the keynote at social media marketing world. Yeah, I think there's a slim chance that'll ever happen. But hey, somebody's <laughs> listening to Facebook and you want to bring Meet your accusers. Them. Yeah, if you, I mean, if somebody's listening from Facebook and you want to bring them, we would definitely give them a yeah. stake. Give him a good slot. That's for sure. Mr. Selzner, thank you so much. It's always great to talk to you. We are uh, the richer for it. Congratulations on all the continued success. I can't wait to see you again, my friend. Uh, and ladies and gentlemen, this has been Social Pros. All the different episodes we have uh, ever done are at socialpros.com. We are going to start doing the show uh, in video, just FYI. So be looking for that soon. We'll keep you up to date on that. On behalf of Adam Brown, on behalf of Mike Stelzner, I'm Jay Bayer from Convince and Convert. Thanks so much for listening. And we will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Social Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast listening app. Go to socialpros.com for a complete show archive and for our greatest hits. Social Pros is sponsored by Convince & Convert, Salesforce Marketing Cloud, and by Yext. And it's produced by my team and I at Convince & Convert Media. If you're interested in being a guest or a sponsor on the show, visit us at convinceandconvert.com.